There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast with Greg Smith and Jay Foreman. Tell it to me straight up. Hello and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith, your British TV show loving, ready for spring friend. <laughs> this is uh, Jay Foreman, Greg's co-host. Lynn Snow, mad as heck at the world right now, uh, former Nebraska Cornhusky. Now, Jay, this is our first episode apart. We are, we are not together, and I'm sad about that because I needed to see your expression on some of this because I can't wait. I'm a spoiler alert. Um, we'll put them on blast today because we're going we're gonna to bring somebody back. It's going to be the first time we ever bring somebody back. Um, if you are not new to the podcast, thank you for coming back. If it is your first time, we'll, we'll give you a quick update on that, but I, I'm ready to spring that one on you when we get there later in the episode. So how was the weekend, Jay? For the most part, it was good. I mean, like I said uh, last time, I think, you know, I know they've been playing college football before, but it seems like once the Big Ten started playing, that you know, the, that's real college football. So it was good, you know, to see the Big Ten teams playing. It started on Friday, uh, then obviously went through the weekend. There were some good, exciting games. Uh, obviously, we're going to cover a little bit of the Nebraska game, but it was all – look, I, I'll tell you like this, man. Take the Nebraska game aside, you know, which we kind of always, you know, kind of assumed what the, the outcome would be. It's a great day of college football when Minnesota gets their head beat in <laughs> and Iowa loses. That's a win for the Big Ten. So if I'm Kevin Warren, I'm like, cool. You know <laughs> you know what I mean? If I'm the, you know, Kevin Warren, uh, you know, like evil twin or whatever you want to call it, I'm sitting back cool as I'm the, I'm the, uh, the bootleg commissioner of the Big Ten. Iowa and Minnesota got destroyed. So that's, uh, you know, that's a good Big Ten weekend for me. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because I saw a lot of Husker fans obviously not happy with the Nebraska loss, um, took a lot of solace in the Minnesota loss and more so, even more so, the, the Iowa loss. Um, but it's funny because we kind of talked about Minnesota kind of going into that game, and I, I, I didn't think that they were going to win that game. I thought Michigan would win that game. Um, I thought that Iowa game was a toss-up as well. Um, just because Iowa, it feels like even when Iowa is very good, um, and that's really only been the last couple of years, they still playing a lot of close games and they just played too conservatively in that game which is kind of what they do um and it just came back to to bite them in this one yeah the way Iowa it, you know really with the year that Iowa had that magical year and they went obviously to the Big Ten Championship then to the Rose Bowl and then if you that team was really really good but then if you look at the the year before it's really no different what Iowa does when they have a really good season in a win-loss column is they win those kind of ugly grounded out games and they just play conservative enough and good discipline, complementary uh, football to where the other team makes a mistake. Well, Purdue is a team, and it's kind of funny. It's like they don't—they still haven't played with their best player, right? Right. And then they all—they almost have like his little brother or like his replica out there, and he puts in work. They're an extremely physical, tough team. They're a mentally tough team. I mean, their head coach couldn't even call plays or call in plays. His brother is the first time calling plays. 
he does a good job. And they just rally around. It seems like kids that maybe were an inch too short or maybe a step too slow in high school. And they just get them into the weight room, into their culture. And they got them at home and at Purdue, which is a very, very hard to place to play uh, with or without fans. And, uh, you know, hung in there against Iowa and won the game late, beat Iowa at their own game. So you got to give your, uh, you know, take your hat off to Purdue uh, because they beat Iowa at their own game, and that's very hard to do. Yeah, they definitely did. And, you know, it's interesting as we kind of transition um, to one of our segments that we have every week is called Coach Speak. Coach Speak to Real Talk. Well, we kind of give you something that somebody said, and then we kind of go back through and kind of talk about what they actually meant. Um, and I think it's fitting for this one for us to go with Nebraska football coach uh, Scott Frost, given Nebraska just came off of a 52-17 loss uh, in the season opener to Ohio State. And he said this after the game, Jay. Uh, quote, to be the team and to take control of the league and your destiny and to win those games, you need some veteran guys that are able to look those types of teams in the eye and go out and whip them. I think we have a lot of guys ready to do that, and we need some more. So, Jay, what did he really mean? <laughs> well, he means that, uh, you know, there's, there's about a handful of guys that are, were up to the task and went out there to compete and went out there to give Ohio State their best shot from physically and mentally and now you need some of the guys, a majority of the guys that come along with it and stop playing scared. And that's really what it comes down to, you know, whether it's the way they played uh, Monday through Friday in practice or Monday through Thursday in practice that led to how they played uh, versus uh, the guys that went out there and played the game just like they practiced. And they usually do the same thing. So you need more guys that are actually out there and it's a hundred percent about football and, and, always compare Nebraska or always look to, you know, like the Alabama's Clemson, uh, Ohio state, you know, enough of the funny business. And I know it's cool. And I know it gives us something to talk about, like with the mustaches, the mullets, all that stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, even back to when we had, you, you know, your boy, Jake cotton and, and all that stuff, you know, I get it. Some of that stuff's funny, but at the end of the day, getting to have a hundred on you ain't funny. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, really at the end of, you know, I'd be, I wouldn't want to be seeing it if I was a head coach, now, how does that really equate to football uh, in the score? You don't really know, but what it tells you is that the, is that there's a lot more guys at bigger schools uh, playing better overall football from depth one through, like, say, 80 on your travel roster. That's all about football. And so um, he wants more football players. He wants more guys that are going to go out there and compete, and that's day in, day out when the game is either you're up by 30 or down by 30. Um, and go out there and learn. I mean, it, it was a learning lesson from a standpoint of a standard of what you have to do when you step out there on the field uh, and start the game fast. Nebraska's biggest Achilles heel is probably six minutes before half and six minutes out of half. They got to yeah, figure absolutely. that out. Um, and that's really, if you look at their games, if you look at their games, wins and losses, that's really where when they win the games, they do pretty well going into half and, and coming out of half, but they don't. And, and they look really bad is it, are the games, you know, going in the half and coming out of half and, and they get outscored and out punched uh, per se. If you want to have an analogy in a, in a, as a boxing analogy, uh, they, they lose the middle rounds. They start fast, uh, you know, can take control of the game, lose the middle rounds and, and depending on, you know, the score of the game, will they be able to pull it out at the end? Yeah, but you know, it's funny, though, you mentioned kind of all of the extra stuff, you know, the Cade Warner mustache and all of that, and we had a lot of fun with that um, over at Hill Varsity about that this weekend, some funny posts about that and whatnot, um, but that, those sorts of things, though, are more, a lot more fun when you win, 
right? Like it's right. it's cool, and it was a good like kind of preseason camp kind of thing. Uh, but you're right, like the second that you lose. Um, that stuff is not cute anymore. It's, it's the same thing with, uh, like, JaVale McGee. I'll give you an example related to my fandom with the Lakers. Like, when JaVale McGee has all of his antics, like, it's great. It's funny when they're winning. But the, remember, as soon as soon when he's playing well, too, um, the second that he starts playing bad, you don't want to hear, hear about any of that stuff anymore, right? So it's kind of that similar thing where it's a lot more interesting and a lot better, I think, for everyone if you have all those personalities and all of that stuff coming out with you start winning and you can nitpick whether or not you know that actually matters and all of that and, and you we don't know for sure whether or not that actually impacts the game outcome on Saturday or specific players play but you just know that it's another thing that people can nitpick about if a team is losing but I think that one of the to me one of the interesting things about what Frost said in that quote is that I wonder if he's also talking about just how many young guys they're still playing. He's made mention of this a couple of times. Um, and when he said this time that he, you know, that we need more of those guys, more of those guys that are ready to come out and, are, and like you were saying, are scared. Um, but I wonder if, if part of that is because they still have a young team and you needed to have a, you had a lot of guys getting kind of their first taste at this, right? And so you got a guy, maybe say like Ty Robinson, right, on the defensive line who ended up playing pretty well, right? Um, and right. looked like he belonged out there. Bryce Benhart, the same way. Like, you have some of those guys. The day that Wandell Robinson got here, he looked like he belonged. Like, but there's still more of those guys that you kind of have to have that introduction to Big Ten football. Oh, yeah, this is what <laughs> this is going to be like against the best yeah. team in the league far and away. Like, I think one of the things that we talked about watching Big Ten football overall, I think one thing that we learned this weekend is it's Ohio State, big gap, and then it's everybody else. Um, and because of that, though, you got the league's best shot this week. Now, that you're going to still have to match that level of intensity and even push it beyond that to, eat, to beat a team like Wisconsin or to beat some of these other teams in the league because the talent gaps from the rest of those teams isn't that big. Um, but I do think part of it is, is you got a lot of guys getting their first real taste of, oh, whoa, this is what it takes to come up here and compete. Yeah, I mean, it's it's – a, it's it, look, man, I, I'm going to say this. Look – you know, my career at Nebraska was pretty good. You could talk to even Tommy Frazier, Grant Wisdom, Jason Peter. When you're a young guy, you, you you think you know, but you really don't know. And every game that you're playing is a learning experience. And it gets easier and easier and easier and easier. That's why you hear coaches say, you know, towards the sixth or eighth game of the season, if there's a freshman, you're no longer a freshman anymore. Right. Right. And so and so Nebraska, I think, uh, I think they have 70 uh, freshmen and sophomores. They're, they're, they were the youngest team in the nation last year and probably one of the youngest this year. So you have a lot of guys uh, getting a, a true introduction to big time football, big 10 football, power football, going up against some grown men. And if there's ever a, really an example of it is Ethan Piper. The, yeah. If you watch him, the first series that he was in there, he was going, he was almost, a, it, it seemed like a step slow and he got popped one time. He was like, Oh boy, these boys really hit. It's different than practice. Right. right. But then at, then the next time he gets in the game, it almost looks like a totally different player. So from a coach's standpoint, Scott and those guys have to be patient and, uh, you know, work through it. Um, I think, you know, as bad as the score was, and I don't really, you know, I'm not one of these guys that look for moral victories or, you know, I, I'm a firm believer. You are what your record um, shows you are. And the score is what the score was, but you know, the score wasn't indicative of how close the game was or could have been. Um, so, 
you, when you're playing a lot of guys that haven't really played big time football and Nebraska hasn't, didn't even have a spring football. So they just kind of were just rushing through everything uh, just like everybody else now. So don't let me, you know, don't right. let me say that, you know, what was me. Uh, but you, when you're mixing a lot of uh, younger guys and changing the whole culture at the same time, it, you know, do you have games like, like against Ohio state when you play them right out the get go? Cause they are kind of like turnkey, you know what I'm saying? When they started practicing, they knew the standards. They had guys coming back. They had two or three NFL guys come back or opt back in, and they just hit the ground running. But we're still trying to learn, you know, which I always say, walk and chew gum. It's a lot different. And, uh, you know, there's an example also in the SEC. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Georgia played Tennessee. Tennessee's a good young team, kind of like on the same, you know, path as Nebraska, trying to get back to being respectable, you know, always had a long tradition of winning won a national championship in the 90s, and obviously with Nebraska having a little bit more success afterwards. Uh, they played Georgia, and Tennessee has been trying to build their foundation across their line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, have a good running back, good quarterback, but they end up losing to Georgia by like 20 or plus 25-plus points because Georgia was more of a veteran team and been in those type of games. And that's what you saw uh, Saturday against, against Nebraska. But I will say this. Uh, coming into this week against Wisconsin, you always see the biggest leap in play from well, ideally in the, from the first week to the second week. You're going to see that individually with a lot of players. And I think it sets up well for Nebraska, like you mentioned before. It's Ohio State up on the top shelf, and every single team is on that second shelf and can really separate themselves and with another chance, almost really, if you think about it, to get a shot at Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. And so that's what I'm talking about all the extracurricular stuff that needs to be gone because it's, it's, it's almost like everybody, if you look at pro football, we're in the NFC East right now, besides Ohio state. Right? right. So let's take, let's take advantage of this. Let's hone in and take advantage of this unique opportunity coming into the season. You know, everybody's like, Oh, you can go four and four, three and five. You even seen some people saying two and six brass is never going to even come back. You know, you got uh, Desmond coward. Well, like I like to call him instead of Desmond <laughs> Howard. Uh, saying Nebraska needs to be out the Big Ten. If you really think about it, they they should they they should come into the stadium next week. Obviously, you know, probably limited amount of fans, if any, and, and think that they should win, expect to win, and every single other game that they're going to play the rest of the season, expect to win. And if they continue along the process with the right mindset and the goal in hand to uh, you know handle their business week in and week out, that they can reach that goal. But they control everything. Uh, moving forward you actually without me telling you ahead of time led me perfectly to where i wanted to steer this thing next let's break that down which is i wonder coming out of that game and if either either as an observer i guess and if you are a player on this team my question to you is would you be encouraged or discouraged by what you saw let me preface this because or by by what happened on saturday Uh, because like you said and i totally agree the score is what it is and and like i think adrian martinez said today we're never going to be satisfied with losing a game like that Um, i think dicaprio boodle um, echoed the same thoughts and it's great to hear from your team leaders um but i but there were positives to take away and i and i do agree with you what you said earlier that they should show up to this game against wisconsin feeling like they can win this game they've they've had kind of a similar issue with Wisconsin as they had with Ohio State on Saturday, meaning they've started games well and they've played well in stretches under frost against Wisconsin and then they have that slice of the game where it just gets blown open or Nebraska makes a momentum play but then gives two back-breaking plays back, right? Um, Whether it's special teams, you know, costly turnovers, what have you. 
And so if I were them, I would come out feeling confident. We know now the level of work that it needs to take because we just took the, a shot from the, team, the league's best team. So it's not like we don't need to match that, but we should come into this, if I'm them, come in feeling confident that we can get some stuff done. Um, would you feel encouraged or discouraged uh, coming into this game? Oh, I'd be encouraged because uh, as bad as Nebraska's record's been the last two years, they've played, oddly enough, they've played Wisconsin really, really well. Um, and it's maybe we, you know, match up well against them, frosting those guys to a confidence going against them. Uh, but we've played them really, really, really well when they were, I think, on paper and in reality a better team. So uh, I, I think that gap is closed. I think that uh, Nebraska should be coming in expecting to win one. Uh, because we showed that we could play well against a really, really good offensive line from a physicality standpoint on, right. on our defensive side of the ball. And then conversely, our offensive line, uh, really we're moving people. And if you'd watch the Wisconsin game against Illinois, um, Illinois, Illinois, whatever you want to call them, they didn't bring any noise, so I call them, I'll call them Illinois, uh, is that you saw uh, on offense, Illinois had really, really uh, big success with quarterback run game regular run game, which I'm, which I call just handing it off to the, to the running back. And then also there was opportunities in the past game. They just could not catch a cold and Peters did not play well. And they really did a good job against Wisconsin in the run game for the first two and a half, three quarters. But what they didn't do, which we did also as well on Saturday is busted a lot of coverages, played scared, gave up way too much cushion and made the quarterback into the next coming of Joe Montana uh, while he was hitting wide open tight ends on a seven cut down there in the end zone three or four times in a row. So if I'm Nebraska, I'm looking at it like this. We go in every, this week right now and telling each other, uh, you know, obviously from a coaching standpoint to the players and ideally from the players to the, amongst themselves, I want more. We can be better. And matter of fact, I'm demanding more. And we should want it. You, you should be salivating as a player to get back out there and right the wrong, especially from a defensive side of the ball. Because if – and then also I think we shored up our kicking game. I was really impressed with the, our coverage unit. I think we yeah, – so uh, Ohio, Ohio State brought out a kick and we tackled them at the 10 or 11. That's really good. That shows team speed, aggressiveness, and the ability to keep covering kicks even when you're losing the game, right? So that's different than last year. If you look at the Wisconsin game, a big kickoff return kind of blew the game open. We got to not only hold serve special teams-wise, let's win the special teams battle – and then let's do what we need to do on defense and improve on what we did well. Look, let's recognize what we didn't do well, which was play too soft in coverage, didn't play with good eyes, and then let's make plays on the ball, and let's see what they're really doing. Regardless if their quarterback plays or not, and whoever they got running back, you know, Wisconsin's always going to have a good, sound offensive line, but they're not running out there and shouldn't be scared or be worried about who they got in front of them. They got to be more, more worry about what they can and should do starting today, which is Monday, and then how they can lay the foundation for a victory come Saturday, which is Monday through Thursday work, film work, uh, and hold each other accountable and keep going at it. Because, uh, yes, they, they, you know, let 50 points go up. But if you look at the game from last year to this year, you that 52-17 should have been last year versus, you know, this year, you know, being 48-10. Uh, last year's game was a full-fledged blowout from, you know, play one to play you know, the end of the game, this game was pretty even, uh, even after they, you know, gave up, uh, you know, that late touchdown going in the half, they had a chance to really get back into the game. And then you have a turnover 
uh, on a quarterback running with the ball and drops it and they take it and, and, you know, for seven points, you go from being down 17 with the possibility of only being down 14 if you only get a field goal to be down 24. That's at least a 10-point turnaround most likely a 13-point turnaround. Yeah, and I think that I saw a stat where if, looking back at last year's Ohio State game versus this year's game, um, with three minutes left to go in the second quarter and last year's game, it was 31 nothing Ohio State. At that same juncture in this year's game, it was 17-14 Ohio State. So that right there shows you um, the improvement. Now, we know what happened after that, and, and that's not acceptable. But that, you know, that shows that Nebraska can hang in there. My thing is, is it's always it, – a couple of things. One, I think that Nebraska – their preparation this week is as important as ever. It's always important, but it's extremely important against Wisconsin for this because of this. Wisconsin is fundamentally sound. They're not going to beat themselves, but they're also not going to overwhelm you with the amount of talent that they have out there, especially this year um, without the running back there, Jonathan Taylor, anymore, uh, there anymore, right? And so, yes, they're always going to have a solid offensive line. Therefore, they're always going to have a good running game. But they don't have, at this point, a dynamic running back, not from what we saw against Illinois, right? They struggled to run the ball some. But they are always technically sound, which sounds like, the exact opposite of Nebraska, right? The thing that right. Nebraska has struggled with now for years has just been, like you just said, staying disciplined with your eyes, uh, beating the run fits on defense. We hear about that one more time. You hear about that more, I feel like, over the last two years than I've ever heard about a defense talking about run fits over and over again um, and filling the right holes and being where you're supposed to be, like the things that you just need to have as a baseline for a defense. And I think that Nebraska – they showed that they can go toe-to-toe physically with Ohio State, so they should be able to go toe-to-toe physically with Wisconsin, and I think that that, to me, gives you the most confidence. If you're a player on Nebraska, you're a person on that staff, you're a Nebraska fan, you held up in the trenches. That That's objective one especially in this league and in this division in which you got to run down three teams, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota, that have some big boys along the lines, right? Like they're all known, Minnesota a little less on the defensive line, but the rest of the schools all known for offensive and defensive line play. So if you can start to match that, then you can add the layer on top to where now you're being more disciplined and then you start to play more confident. Now all of a sudden it matters that you actually really probably have as much talent, if not more on paper, than those teams do. And that's how you have to show that, though, still by your execution. I think Brandon Vogel, our managing editor at Hill Varsity, has said this now for a couple of years about Nebraska and the Big Ten, is that I think the thing that people get wrong about the Big Ten is that it's, A, not your big brother's Big Ten. It's, it's better talent across the board. But also the threshold for execution in this league is just so high. Like you just have to be sound in what you do week in or week out. And that's how you end up seeing anybody can beat anybody because the coaching and the players are just too good to get by with just thinking that you're physically better than people. Yeah, it's definitely a different league. I know SEC, they think that's, uh, I know that's looked at as like the the breeding ground for NFL players and they play like semi-pro football. And anytime that they lose, it's, it's just, you know, the world is turned upside down. But if you look at it from top to bottom, whether it's teams, talent-wise, guys getting drafted, athletes, the way they look, the Big Ten is second to none. And it's not only, like you said, it's the coaching, it's the players, it's the ability, it's the parity that w- that's been created with, you know, teams like Indiana to win eight games to really get on the field. I mean, if you think Indiana had won eight games last year, they brought it to Penn State 
last year right. and the year before. Right. So the teams aren't going out there and be like, you know what, we're Indiana and we're just going to show up and we're just going to just let you beat us up anymore. That's just not happening anymore. No, that's how Allen um, staff is too good for that too. Right. And, and, the, and all these coaches, and this is what people didn't understand, especially around here in Nebraska, is that, you know, when you know before when we were winning nine games and stuff like that, is that Illinois, like I always just said, it's like, like Lovey Smith and those guys, Illinois, uh, Purdue, Indiana, um, you used to be with Maryland. I think they're going to come around a little bit, uh, especially with Rutgers. You know, they're, they're, when they're going into spring after a season, they're not only coaching to get better, they're coaching to keep their jobs. So they're trying, they're going to be doing everything they can possibly to find an edge to beat you. And when you think of even a perfect example of that is Northwestern, mm-hmm. a team that when you're talking about being technically sound, Oof. They, they're, they're, they're more technically sound than anybody. And talent-wise, they're in the bottom, at least the bottom half as far as recruiting. And then when you look at them on paper, but every year you see them, they're tough, they're physical, they play together, uh, they play fast. Uh, they're definitely physically in shape, mentally. Uh, they're probably one of the tougher teams because I think even facility-wise, they're probably a little bit behind most of the teams in the Big Ten. Uh, but they go out there and they compete against everybody, and it's never an easy and out. And when you play there, especially – like on a night game, uh, they'll beat you. I remember a couple years ago when Ohio State was making that run, you know, they brought they brought it all the way to the very end against Ohio State. Northwestern is no joke. And if you want an example of technically sound, athlete sound, development, coaching staff, that's Northwestern, and then all the host of other teams that I mentioned before. So it, it's a tall tale for Nebraska right now to get back to where we want. But I think what you saw – uh, Saturday against Ohio State should give fans, you know, a lot more uh, to look forward to. Now, I always say this, and I say this to the, you know, the basketball kids that I coach. Now you've shown your butt now, and I usually use a different <laughs> word, okay? And now you've been showing what you could do. Now you got to continue to do it. You can't right, you gave, me, you gave me a taste, and, right. Yeah, you can't do it once, and now I'm going to take a couple weeks off. And that's what I'm saying. This is why if I was a head coach, uh, or it was Scott and those guys, I would demand more. I would want more. I would really focus on what we did well, recognize what we didn't do well, focus on what we did well, improve on that. And just, you know, it should be a matter of assumption uh, that our defensive backs will play better. Now, I know, look, they got two out for the first half against the targeting call, but I will also say this, all you guys that have been sitting on the sideline and practice and, you know, texting each other that you should be playing, well, time is now. Yeah, this is your shot. And it, 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 this is your shot. And this is a great thing about it. Opportunity, you only, I always say this, if you're a five-star recruit, like, I don't know, say like you're Grant Wickstrom, you're going to get two or three opportunities. If you're like a three-star, you're probably going to get one, maybe two, based on the circumstances, right? Mm-hmm. This is, a, this is to, in, your, in your football life, right, at each level, high school, pro, college. So this is the, this is the opportunity for whoever's going to get the chance to come in there and start for that first half Maybe not to start when these guys come back, but be the ones that are at the top of the assumption list when those guys are gone to start for one or two years based on, you know, how many years they have left in college. And the fact that you kind of get a a free year this year is very, very important because they have another year to develop, to, to cement themselves. So if, you know, Cam Taylor Britt decides to go, you know, maybe not this year, but next year to the league, you got that extra year kind of like just to prove yourself this year. So it, it's big. It's not, there, there is a whole bunch of opportunity from the coaching staff on down to the players uh, that this game 
uh, means a lot. And then also when you're starting against Wisconsin at home, first home game on TV, it's time to show up, man. I mean, this is it. I mean, I would be, you know, obviously I still would be, you know, pissed off about losing, but I'm focused on Wisconsin right now because I saw a lot more good than bad. Um, and then things just need to come together on different ends in order to, you know, lessen that gap on the scoreboard. So I'd, I'd be really excited if I was in that D-back D room, corner, uh, and, and safety room. And, and, and also I'll say this, look, my man Williams will come down and knock your head off. That's already okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he will hitter, knock yeah. your head off. But homeboy ain't covering a lick yet. Okay, he covering a lot of green grass. So if, even if I'm behind him, I'm showing I can not only come down and lay the wood because you're gonna have to come bring it against Wisconsin, but I'm also gonna be able to play some coverage as well to cement myself to not only uh, be there for the future, but then also maybe steal some reps in uh, in the meantime during the season. Yeah, and you know what what's really interesting about that though, and that that thought process of I want to get out there as a younger player, I want to get out there and show what I can do because a I want to get that experience now, b I want to see if I can steal some reps, and then ultimately want to set us up myself and the team for a better future. We actually got to see that a little bit, right? So that's the thing, too. If you're one of those DBs and you're looking at this as an opportunity with whoever gets in there, whether or not Miles Farmer gets to go back there and start um, at corner or at safety, whether or not Quentin Newsom gets to come in at corner for Cam Taylor Britt, whatever ends up happening, somebody is going to have an opportunity. And if you if you are those guys and you look and you say, okay, well, I just saw the coaches on the offensive side of the ball moving guys around because guys needed to get opportunities. I saw Ethan Piper get in there and split reps with Bo Wilson and get to show what he can do, right? I saw Trent Hickson kind of get in. I saw them mix Will Farniak in a little bit. Turner Corcoran as a true freshman got to get out there. And it's even tougher on the offensive line to be able to do something like that with a rotation. Um, I would be encouraged by some of the things that you saw in other places. Uh, think of the defensive line. Right. And what, what oh, yeah. you saw there uh, with all of the guys that we saw when they get to go out there and show and prove what they can do. Um, yeah, I would definitely be encouraged if I was a young guy um, getting to go out there. But I also think this game and I thought that hey, I thought that the it seemed like the team today and, and when they were talking to us uh, via Zoom, that they were ready to turn the page and that they were they were focused on Wisconsin. It didn't feel like that kind of hangover that a loss would beat you twice. And it felt like that has felt like that, though, in the past, uh, to be frank, but it did not feel like that today. And I think that that's the right way, because I'll take it a step further. If I was Frost and those guys, I would just cut up all of the good plays that they had and I would say listen the score is what it is it's unacceptable we can't have that and we can do better than that but here's all the good stuff that we did because this team still needs confidence right like this is right, still yeah. a stage where they just don't have enough wins against quality opponents to really solidify that confidence which is why I think that this game is even bigger than it was coming into the season when people just everyone just assumed they were going to be 0-2 I don't think that people should be assuming that this is an automatic like blow out loss or anything like that um, I think that this is the type of game that Nebraska needs to look at as a huge opportunity to kind of springboard them and I think Frost said that they, the program needs, uh, it was in a different interview I think on Fox where he said the program needs um, to have one of these big wins where we can get some air underneath our wings and take off as a program I think they should be viewing this as that type of game and I know Frost wants to then also say that you know it's one game at a time, it's week two but I know as a former player and a guy who's competitive he 
wants to go out there and get a big win. Um, I think that that's how the program needs to view this game um, because they desperately need something like that to kind of springboard their program. You saw this happen for Penn State uh, a few years back when they went up. With, I think it was one of Franklin's first years. And they beat Ohio State. Like that sort of stuff can help your program really take off. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you got to think uh, if Nebraska could get a win against Wisconsin, uh, regardless of what's going on, a highly ranked team, a very you know well respected team, and a rival that's kind of taken the Nebraska model and really ran with it, man, that's something that you could really run with until the cows come home. You, you got to think that's what Iowa's done. That's what Wisconsin's done. And then so if you can do that, uh, I, I think it puts you right back up there as far as the respectability goes. Uh, moving forward, uh, because until we conquer one of those two, we're still going to be thought of as, as a team, you know, a bunch of posers and fakers, right? right. And there is no time like the present. It doesn't matter. You're, they're not going to go back five years from now when we beat Wisconsin and say, oh, well, uh, Jonathan Taylor went to the NFL or something like that. They're not going to care. You beat Wisconsin. Right. You beat them, and that's what you're going to run with it. So. Um, it, it, and Scott, Scott and those guys need it. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Here's a perfect – here's also a, 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 an example of it. They, I saw the thing with uh, uh, Boston College's new, new head coach, and he talked about when he came in with his message and how guys have really rallied around it right away. Well, the reason why is because they had success early in the season. Right. So what we need to do is take that victory, you know, beating Wisconsin – and that will just – I'll be really interested to see what the feeling around the program, which I know throughout the state would be crazy, but the players. You could, you'll see their body language. You'll see the way that they talk and the things that come out of their mouth, right? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you'll see it more in the young guys because the young guys will really believe like instantly. So if they can really focus in and get this victory, it'll do more uh, in the long term. And I'm talking about years down the road on top of, you know, the rest of the season, because this will, if you get a victory like this or any type of victory, that's a hard fought victory, your whole season could take off. If they, if they really wanted a a really uh, recent example, just look at Minnesota. They started out the season, should have lost to South Dakota state, should have lost to Georgia state, San Jose state took them to the, to the very end. They won all three of those games. And the next thing you know, they're down in the bowl game and they beat Auburn. Right. And they're thinking and they're thinking of now they're a top 15 program and, and, you know, they got more guys going to the NFL and they had those same type of players. But once they really started believing, uh, you know, they really took off. And, look, and we also have to look at that Minnesota team that they had last year are the same players that Nebraska beat the breaks off at home the year before and had the same record as Nebraska. And look at this. They were talking about in the offseason before last year was P.J. Fleck the guy was his message too much. Was he too much? And then he started winning, and you don't hear it about it anymore. Right. And part of that is, and it's, it's funny because that happened, it was two different ways. Minnesota didn't win a big game early in the season. What they did is they did something else that I think Nebraska also needs to do, um, which is come through the other side of some of those tight games where you have adversity, right? Even if it's a, a game that you should win, and Minnesota was favored in all of those early season games against, you know, a group of five schools and what have you. Um, but that's something that you, you just start to have that 
that power of belief, that internal confidence that you can come through some of those games. And then what do you know? You look up and it was a home game and that crowd was crazy, but they beat Penn State last year at home, right? Um, which continued on their nice uh, magical season that they had last year. So they just, Nebraska just needs um, some of those wins because when you just think about, um, sit and think through like over these last like uh, five years or so, like it's hard pressed to think of what the signature win is. Now, of course, you're not going to have those because you're turning over coaches and they've been struggling. Um, but those are the things that you need to be able to be able to boom readily pull uh, when somebody says, "Well, what's Nebraska's best win in the last couple of years?" Well, this one against Wisconsin could end up being something like that if you can go out and get right. that done. Yeah, because you, you got to think. If I had to think off the, off the top of my head. Maybe it was the you know when they beat Michigan State and, and you know or something like that, but Michigan State was kind of like a fake you know top ten fifteen team. Which one? The you know, one where Wisconsin. they the one that they with, with Mike Riley the let me clear my throat game the, or the Scott Frost it, in the snow it, nine to most, seven. Or <laughs> I was thinking more or less the, the uh, yeah I was thinking about the Mike Riley one uh, okay. and they really weren't that good that year because they kind of you know leave you know struggled into the finish line. But then also the the, the Scott Frost in, in the in the snow where everything was set up for him to win, uh, and they came down here and kind of laid an egg. So either one of those that were that's the only thing I can think of. But when you're thinking of national respect, beating a team, uh, it'd be Wisconsin that would be would be two or three times more uh, important than that than that victory because ideally, um, you know, Mike Riley's gone. He got fired after that. Then obviously that was earlier Scott's you know tenure here. If, if Nebraska can beat Wisconsin and then finish the season like everybody hopes and thinks and expects them to, that's how you build a program. Right. You know what I'm saying? Now you, you have proof of you have proof of you, what you, you've you been got, talking about, right? Because you don't want to be that team. Oh, you can you can get you can get it up. You can get up for one game and then you're gonna you know play like booty the rest of the games, right? You don't want to beat Wisconsin and go out there against Northwestern and lose by 14. You want to beat Wisconsin answer the bell again and then answer the bell again. Oh, well, you got here at one loss. Okay. Then now we get back on a roll and you're a consistent team. Now you can really go to people and say, look, this is what we've done. We beat Wisconsin, conquered that hurdle. And then we continue along the path with good football. Do you want to be a part of, this is our message. Now, everybody in that locker room is speaking the same language. They might be speaking it different, but that foundation, that language is, is, is all the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, it's just such a huge game. And that's why I'm so interested in what ends up happening um, this week. And I, I think it's just a huge moment um, in the Scott Frost tenure. I think it's huge for all of these young players that are on the team as well. Um, and so we'll all be kind of looking forward to what happens in that game. Um, but right now it's time um, for my favorite segment that we have every week. Put them on blast. Um, and that's put them on blast. So every week. Uh, we will end the show with this segment uh, where we basically put somebody on blast for something that they did or said. Um, and today I'm going to kick us off. Today I'm going to go with a follow-up like I teased early in the show. Remember our, our, our pal, um, the Garcias? Remember them from episode one yep. uh, with Jake Garcia, the four-star quarterback who is committed to USC. So if you didn't catch the first episode, you, first of all, you should go back and listen to it. Second of all, the, the story is crazy. He's a four-star quarterback from California. Originally, he is committed to USC. He and his family moved to Georgia so that he could play high school football during the pandemic because California decided to push their high school football to the spring. But in order for him to be eligible, his parents had to legally separate. 
So he was initially initially ruled eligible by the Georgia State High School Association, but then dad went on television, including ESPN, kind of telling the whole plan, essentially. And also, I think, did a big ESPN article, too. Georgia State High School Athletic Association then said, okay, come on, man, you can't do this to us. Came back and said, no, you're ineligible. We have an update. After being at that school, he then decided to transfer so he has now left his school again. Uh, Sasha's looking at me like, he's crazy, not me. Um, and so he transferred again. And he transferred, actually, there's a Husker connection now. Uh, well, another one, because I think his dad um, played, at, played at Nebraska in the 70s. Um, he transferred to Grayson High School. If Grayson High School sounds familiar to you, that is where Muhammad Barry went to high school. Um, that is where current oh. current running back um, Ronald Tompkins also went to high school. I actually did a good story on Ronald um, last week about his rise up to number two in the depth chart. I talked to his former coach and recruiting coordinator, Kenyatta Watson. Grayson High School is a very well-known high school in Georgia because they put out D1 prospects like no other. That team that Ronald Tompkins was on, um, I think, had 12 guys that went D1, including the five-star linebacker, Owen Papo, who ended up going to Georgia. Nebraska recruited him, got him on a visit, uh, but didn't really have much of a shot. Um, and so now Jake Garcia is at Grayson High School now, where he actually, I think it was today, was ruled eligible. Today is Monday, as when we record this. Um, he was ruled eligible, and he is now scheduled to play and start his senior season part three at Grayson High School um, this Friday in Georgia, um, where there will no doubt be all sorts of coverage of this game. I still think this entire thing is ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not going to be convinced otherwise. I think it's insane um, that a family is doing all of this to have their four-star quarterback son, who's already committed to a major university, um, go all over the place just to play his senior season. This still feels weird to me, and I don't understand why they're doing all of this. So I, even with all the backstory, um, I I'm putting them on blast again because we had to update this crazy situation. I just don't understand it. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm, I, the first thing that came to mind is like, is his dad taking out bets on how good a, his a passing numbers his son's going to have? I, I just have never thought. I understand you do anything for your 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 kid to have a chance to play not only high school sports, but to realize their dream to go to play major division one. But he's already signed, sealed, and delivered. Right, like, you're and moving, he's and it hits you're moving it. all the way halfway across the country. Get 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 you know stop gapped in Georgia. Now you're moving up to another school. Like you didn't transfer three or four times. You like the kid. <laughs> I, re- I I thinking about a kid that transferred in when I was in high school, and you know he had you know he showed up with his story, and then you start talking to people back to his other high school. You figure you find out, man, he got in a whole bunch of trouble. So I just I mean they definitely need to be put on blast because they definitely are trying to win the uh, quote-unquote AAU dad of the, of the year <laughs> saying you're going to get your kids' games in no matter what. I don't know what you're trying to create and finish a, a high school highlight tape or whatever you're trying to do. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're, you're also hurting the learning lessons that, you're, that you would like to think that you're trying to teach your kid. Look, we tried our best. It didn't work out. Now we're just going to get you ready to go off to college, and that's the best thing we could do right now, and you just deal with it because – I'm assuming that he's going to be close to the early enrollee. So what are you trying to get accomplished by playing six more games that you wouldn't get accomplished by 
by going and playing seven on seven or working out with the, these, you know, quarterback gurus or something like that. And so, they're all, all the quarterback gurus are in California anyway. So right. you could have stayed there. Done that. Man, if he's not, an, and I, I will double check. It would be crazy if he's not an early enrollee. Um, because if he's wasting all this time transferring all over the place but didn't do enough work to get uh, in the book so that he could be an early enrollee, that would be really crazy. Um, so <laughs> for his sake, um, he is an early enrollee because that would be nuts. And it's funny, like, would you, real quick, before we get to your put him on blast, um, what would, would you say that there's any chance of him ended up either, A, staying committed to USC or finish starting and finishing his career at USC? Because it feels like going through all of this in high school sets up a bad mindset and precedent for kind of – being another, and it's already tough. Quarterbacks transfer at a high rate anyway, um, but it feels right. like it's just setting up for that already. Yeah, it's setting up for for. Well, first of all, I don't think that he'll end up at USC uh, because I think that. Uh, well, I think Helton will be fired, so I think that'll change his mind. Uh, and if he's already there, then you know I think he he'd be one of these quarterbacks that try to opt out, right, to right. to get the free transfer. Anyways, if he does end up at USC. And they bring in another four or five star recruit from California that doesn't leave California, that doesn't move to Georgia, that doesn't move to Maine, then back to you know to Tennessee <laughs> right. or Minnesota or whatever. Uh, and he happens to not win that starting spot. He's definitely going to be in the transfer portal. If they if there was betting odds, I would say uh, I would be willing to bet. You know, I'm not a big gambler, but I would bet a hundred bucks that he's not there more than two years. No way, no how. Unless he's unless he's starting, I don't see him there uh, more than two years. Uh, just because his dad's not going to let him go anywhere without him starting, and everything's got to be about his son. And he's going to be one of those guys that's going to transfer to from USC to another major Division One program, and then he's going to end up at like a one double A school, and then hopefully get on somebody's draft boards by playing just one year. I don't I don't see it working out well. And like I said, the lessons that you're teaching them is if you don't get your way, go somewhere else instead of sticking it out. Now, look, I understand COVID. Everybody's had to deal with COVID and all the other stuff. But you've already moved across the country, faked a divorce. I mean, you're, you're really setting this up to, to really not end well. You could just always pause and say, look, let's just get back to reality. You got you to USC and let's just move on from there. But it didn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, that, that's just a, a crazy situation, which I think that everybody um, will be keeping their eye on. But all right, what do you got for us, Jeff? Well, for mine, for, you know, me and you are big Laker fans. And so uh, I got to put it on to the modern day architect of the, the Lakers, the Lake show that took him, took his, uh, well, he went to New York Knicks, brought them to prominence, brought them to a couple of NBA finals, couldn't get over the hump. You know, went down to the Miami Heat, brought LeBron down there, got a couple uh, championships out of LeBron, D. Wade, and Chris Bosh. Uh, was seemed like he was a little bit of the salty girlfriend when when LeBron decided to go back to Cleveland uh, for various reasons. Some of them were the run-ins with Pat Riley and, and LeBron's crew. So LeBron went back to Cleveland. So I'm putting Pat Riley on blast. And here's why I'm putting him on blast. Oh, not the Ever Godfather. Since- and that's the godfather. He looks like the godfather. And if you've seen him on Instagram on Magic Johnson when they go over to Italy or every tri- year Magic takes a big trip, he got some, he got some moves with him, man. He's a smooth <laughs> – Yeah, Pat he's is – yeah. Pat Riley's a smooth dude. And if I met Pat Riley, I'd still dap him up and got much respect for him. But I still got to put him on blast. And here's why I'm going to put him on blast. Ever since LeBron left, he's always kind of – I call it backdoor hating on LeBron. He would give him a little bit of compliment – 
but then it'd be yeah, but, and then you know when they're talking amongst themselves, it's it's it wasn't truly genuine, right? Well, now it, it, this quote from him, and it was about uh, the Lakers winning the championships against his Heat, where his Heat were the fifth seed. They did the unthinkable, you know what I'm saying, and almost you know did you know something that's never done before, and win an NBA championship, coming where they came from, have a a, a very very nitty uh, gritty type of team. Like he says, he wants his basketball players to be the best, uh, be in the best shape, the toughest, and be pricks were on the court. Well, obviously he liked to be he likes to be a little bit of prick off the court. His quote is this: "The Lakers were the best team, but there's always going to be that asterisk." If we had Bam and Gorn at a 100%, it could have gone to a seventh game. Well, if if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. You just admitted, listen, what I just said about backdoor Hayden. The Lakers were the best team, but there's always going to be an asterisk. Yeah, but just say the Lakers were the best team, and we'd like to get a chance to play them again, and that's it. There's no asterisk about winning a championship. Because I, I, here's why I say this. If the Heat won, if the Clippers won – if the Nuggets won, if the Portland Trailblazers won, or the Houston Rockets, they would nobody be saying they won because of Asterix. The reason why they're saying it is because everybody is hating on LeBron and the Lakers. Their Lakers are the champions. There is no Asterix. Everybody went down to the bubble, had the same amount of time to practice, had to deal with the same janky food for two weeks, had to, had <laughs> had to, to bring had the had chefs to, in, had, 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 to, had, to go, had to go fishing in a stock pond you saw javel mcgee out there trying to golf you saw uh taco for or the big tall dude from the celtics learn how to swim so everybody had to do deal with the same stuff the lakers just had more stand power because they beat the heat at the game that the heat was trying to make famous and that's being down there do not succumb to your environment in the circumstances embrace it and then get the best out of the situation because as much as he says uh, granted if Bam and Gordon were 100%, what you got to think? Bradley opted out. They had to change their whole – the Lakers had to change their whole starting lineup because Bradley chose to stay, rightfully so, because of COVID and his family issues. He didn't want to expose them to COVID because they were, had some pre-existing conditions. Then on top of, Rondo was hurt before he even got to the bubble and then got hurt again. So don't tell me about if other people were, 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 were healthy. That's just part of the game because if LeBron got hurt, AD was hurt, right? Legitimately hurt by some questionable ways that the the Heat were playing, and they answered the bell. Your guys didn't answer the bell. Take your loss like a man, like the architect that you were, like you did against the Boston Celtics. Get your team in better shape. Add Giannis in a couple years. Then come back and win your your championship. But don't be up there trying to, you know, throw shade on the team that made you famous just because you're down there in Miami getting you some uh, sun and, and you you know, you got your your – you know, you know, pretty much a lot of pigmentation in your in your system with that white hair that you got. Come on, Pat Riley, you better than this. So there's a lot there. So I think it's interesting though about the whole like like Dragic and Bam with they were healthy, blah blah blah. Weren't they down double figures when they had both of them get hurt anyway in Game One? Um, that wouldn't have mattered. Eventually, the Lakers, even if the Heat would have been more competitive, it would have it would have just been different because the reason that the Heat ended up being so competitive is because they played everything through Jimmy Butler and they just didn't have the Lakers just didn't have an answer for Butler um, until they did when LeBron decided that I'm going to shut this down, right? And Jimmy um, got tired 
from having to put the team on his back, even though LeBron's been doing that for 12 years. So that that's kind of interesting on that on the basketball portion of it, which is just not right anyway. Um, but I still think that there's just the reason, the actual reason why Pat Riley went there is because there's still beef between him and LeBron because ultimately I don't think that Pat Riley appreciated LeBron leaving because they had a good thing going down there, leaving like when he left the Heat to go back to Cleveland and win Cleveland a championship. Because I think that Pat thought that he should stay there in the program that they had built. And Pat very famously will just cut you out, right? That's part of what makes him the godfather, part of what makes him such a great executive, what made him a great coach, is that he's cutthroat, right? Everybody will tell you that. Um, and because of that, though, that bridge has been burnt. And I think that if you got LeBron in a really honest moment, he would tell you that winning that championship was a little sweeter just because they got to beat Pat Riley um, in his form, in one of his former teams. So I, I, it's just, listen, man, he just hating. Like, we, we can let him go. Um, um, I, it doesn't like the whole asterisk thing doesn't bother me, man. Like it was tough to win that championship in the bubble. Like we just, but we're just going to have to get all of these random excuses about why the Lakers won it. And the funny thing is I can't wait for next year when we run this thing back, um, because I think the Lakers will be better next year and I'm going to be even more obnoxious about it. Um, just because, you know, that's what we got to do. Yeah. I think the Lakers, I think they the pressure was on them. Um, you know, at times during the year, they didn't look very good. So, you know, for for anybody to think that the, that it was just like a, a, a lucky year, that's not – look, LeBron played better in in unideal situations or, you know, circumstances than he did during the regular season. And, he, and, he, and I felt like he was the MVP of the league. And AD, the fact that he has confidence, the, the fact that he, he gained confidence that he can answer the bell, right? in a tough physical game, in a big moment, that's trouble for the league. That's trouble for the league. Because, because if they get uh, – if they do what I hope they do is get rid of Kuzma, uh, bring <laughs> you back You can't stay at Kuzma. Like, we're going to pull I the curtain back here. You want yeah, that dude go. Yeah, like, you text Kuzma, me every game that he should be, he should be traded. Hey, 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 let me tell you, Kuzma would be getting his NBA championship ring via FedEx, okay? Period. <laughs> see. Yeah, I'm telling you, as soon as that thing was over, I would have walked in there and said, man, look, we're going to smoke a cigar and drink this champagne. But listen here, player. You gone, because Kuzma is the one of those guys that we like. We talked about earlier with the Nebraska football team. He is not all in. He's not. I mean, I know he had a good rookie year, but he hasn't gotten any better. There's too many mental lapses, and uh, in order for them to get to where they want, they need somebody that's going to be more consistent. They do need. Just imagine how good the Lakers would be if they brought back everybody that they could, right, and had a true number three or true 2A or 2B, let's say. Because LeBron is well – he's he's fine with being number three if he has, a you know, AD and somebody else going off. Like a Jeremy Grant just because you saw LeBron really talking to him after right. uh, they played the Nuggets or somebody like that that's really, really legit. You know, a guy that, you know, I know he's not going to probably end up on the Lakers. You think of somebody like a Tobias Harris or, or a Covington that went to the, the Houston Rockets. Somebody that's going to come in there and give you good, honest minutes 15 to 16 points a game, do everything you need to do from a plus minus standpoint and is able to score the odd 20 or 30 points. If you, if you, you know, sit back on them and, and, and don't guard them, you know, it's kind of like with Giannis and Middleton, you know, Middleton's probably not your two a player. He needs to be your two B Giannis, a true two a Middleton two B. And that, that Bucks team is different. So you'd like to see if the Lakers can do that, get, get rid of Kuzma. Then the haters are going to really be hating. Then they're going to say, Oh, LeBron is, you know, stacking his team, stacking his team. Yeah, t- stacking his team. You heard it this week. You see anonymous NBA agents saying that 
LeBron's, you know, uh, agent has mismanaged those guys, left millions on the table. You see all this stuff happening. It's actually just giving you a, a compliment because when you do good things and people are talking about you and you're winning, and people never thought Nebraska or, or excuse me that LeBron was going to win at the Lakers. Now it's come to reality. Now actually they're talking out of being scared right, because they saw right. LeBron take his game to an, him to play point a true point forward and play the way he did all year as far as you know assisting the ball and making guys uh, play better. You think of, you know uh, Caruso, you know where that he made him a household name. I mean you start him. You know, LeBron's not having a guy come start with him unless they don't think that, you know, he can really bring something to the team. Now look at him. He gave him a ton of confidence. You think of, you know, even Dwight Howard. He brought, you know, Dwight Howard. He didn't himself, but LeBron, along LeBron being there, brought Dwight Howard back into reality. JaVale McGee probably was the most consistent that he's ever been from a mental standpoint in his whole career, from from a mental locked-in doing what he needed to do, being a good teammate standpoint. LeBron does all that stuff, and people don't give him enough credit. They give him a lot of hate, and uh, we're witnessing greatness right now. It's continued greatness. LeBron's going to be 47 years old, <laughs> still still doing cats because he doesn't feel like going to the YMCA and dunking on fools yet. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, like, this back, like, I don't know, I can't question mark amount of years um, end up going for him. Um, it will also be interesting, again, to see what happens with this big game with Nebraska football this weekend, but that will actually do it for us this week. Uh, subscribe to the podcast everywhere that you listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five-star review. We appreciate all of you um, that have done so, so far. But if you only leave four, I'm inclined to think that you're a hater, so just leave that five-star review. Uh, make sure you are checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network. Mind Your Own Podcast, Varsity Club, More To It, and the Hale Varsity Radio Show. You can also reach us at our email address, uh, straight up breakdown at hailvarsity.com, or you can check us out on social media on Twitter at GregSmithHB and at Foreman5644. We will catch you next time.